This is the Notorious Bakersfield Podcast. I'm Robert Peterson, the host and creator of this podcast that takes a look back at some of Bakersfield's most notorious crimes, events, and characters. One admitted serial killer, Henry Lee Lucas, confessed to over 600 murders. These crimes were committed over two decades and across the entire country. One of the murders he confessed to was that of Linda Sue Atkins here in Bakersfield in 1979. Taking his word for Atkins' homicide, Bakersfield investigators closed the case into her death. Lucas died in his jail cell in 2001 from a heart attack. Through the years since his death, as each case was scrutinized, Henry Lee Lucas' confessions began to unravel. There's no doubt that Lucas was a serial killer, but there's a lot of doubt about how prolific of a killer he was. Detectives have determined that it's unlikely Lucas was even in California when Linda Sue Atkins' body was found in a field near her Rosedale motel. Bakersfield police have since reopened the investigation into her homicide. It appears Henry Lee Lucas was not only a serial killer, he was a serial liar. And there are other local homicides that some speculate are the work of a serial killer. But so far, there's nothing definitive, except for one individual. To date, officially, only one person with a connection to Bakersfield is considered a serial killer. And that's the subject of this episode. This is Bakersfield's Serial Killer. This story is very convoluted and complex, and I'm going to attempt to keep it as simple as I possibly can. Stephen David Catlin was born in the Chicago area in 1944. There's a lot of discrepancies surrounding the information about his biological parents, about what happened to them. But what is known is that he was adopted a few months after he was born. By the early 1950s, he was living in Bakersfield with Glenn and Martha Catlin, his adoptive parents. According to Steve Catlin, his parents told him he was adopted when he was 12 years old. He claims he didn't take this very well. He began drinking as an early teen, started failing in school and stealing valuables from his home to sell. In his late teens, Catlin would be considered a delinquent, abusing drugs and committing petty crimes. He eventually dropped out of high school. When he was 19, he was arrested on check forgery charges and sentenced to nine months to the California Youth Authority. After being released, Catlin married his first wife, even though this marriage was stormy and fraught with domestic violence, the couple had a child. Catlin and his first wife separated. 
Moving on from this relationship, Catlin married for the second time in 1966. However, there was a problem. He never divorced his first wife. In order to marry the second time, Catlin used an alias to obtain a marriage license. By this time in his life, Catlin's drug addiction was out of control. In order to support his addiction, he stole a credit card from the gas station he was working for. He got caught, was convicted, and sent away to Chino Prison for three years. When he was released, he divorced that first wife and remarried his second wife again, this time legitimately using his real name. But this marriage, like his first, was marred by domestic violence. Catlin's drug addiction fueled his violent temper. And like his first marriage, this second one was short-lived. After less than a year, he and wife number two were separated. After a few months of being divorced from wife number two, Catlin married wife number three. Her name was Edith Ballou, or Edie. And just like his first and second marriages, this third marriage to Edie was no different. Catlin was manipulative, abusive, jealous, violent, and unfaithful. Eight months into this marriage, Catlin cheated on Edie, and they got a divorce. Edie remained on good terms with Martha Catlin, her former mother-in-law. They stayed friendly and kept in contact with each other after the divorce. But not missing a beat, as soon as Catlin's divorce from Edie was final, he marries the lady he's been having an affair with. Her name is Joyce. So Joyce becomes wife number four. Joyce, like Stephen, had a past filled with failed marriages. During this period, Stephen Catlin worked in agriculture as a mechanic. He worked in agriculture, but his hobby was car racing. He became friends with a driver and was on this driver's team as a mechanic. One thing most people agree on about Stephen Catlin was that he was a very good mechanic. While working for this race car driver, Catlin begins having an affair with the driver's stepdaughter. And you guessed it, this causes a lot of problems with his wife, Joyce. Stephen and Joyce Catlin argued and fought often in front of other people and in public. After one such incident in April 1976, Joyce Catlin fell ill. She began experiencing flu-like symptoms and was admitted to Mercy Hospital. Joyce complained of back pain, nausea, and a sore throat. After only a day in the hospital, her condition deteriorated to the point that she was transferred to the hospital's intensive care unit. While Joyce was in the hospital, her lungs began to fill with fluid. With this latest development, what was going on with her lungs, Joyce's medical team brought in famed Bakersfield physician, Dr. Hans Einstein. Outside of Kern County, the last name Einstein is most associated with Albert Einstein. 
But in Kern County, the name Hans Einstein was recognized as the foremost authority on lung diseases, specifically valley fever. Dr. Einstein's expertise was no match for whatever it was Joyce Catlin was suffering from. Every course of treatment the doctor prescribed failed. Her lungs just didn't respond and her condition worsened to the point that she required mechanical ventilation. On May 6, 1976, 19 days after being admitted to the hospital, Joyce Catlin died. The pathologist who performed the autopsy determined that Joyce's lungs were extremely heavy and fibrotic, and that there was no indication of viral or bacterial infection that could have caused death. Her death certificate listed the cause of death as acute respiratory failure due to unknown microorganisms. The absence of any kind of infection led Joyce's attending physicians and the pathologist to suspect that she had been poisoned. But in 1976, the toxicological tests weren't available to determine what she'd been poisoned with. But they did collect and store tissue samples just in case a test came along that later would help figure out what exactly caused Joyce's death. Joyce Catlin was 40 years old and was survived by eight kids. At the direction of her husband, Stephen Catlin, Joyce's body was cremated. A pathologist who was brought in for consultation about Joyce's cause of death stated that her lungs showed classic signs of paraquat poisoning. But like I said, there were no tests available at that time in 1976 that could definitively determine that paraquat was used to kill Joyce Catlin. Remember that woman Stephen Catlin was having an affair with? Catlin married her shortly after Joyce died. Her name was Glenna. Glenna is wife number five, in case you're keeping track. That marriage was in 1976. The couple moved to Fresno, where Glenna's family was from. While living in Fresno, he got a job with the state of California as a mechanic. Then, in 1980, Catlin's adoptive father, here in Bakersfield, was diagnosed with lung cancer. His dad had only been diagnosed for a few weeks when he developed pneumonia and suddenly passed away. Acting on his mother's behalf, Stephen Catlin steps up to make his father's funeral arrangements and has the body cremated. The state of California job Stephen had in Fresno, he was doing quite well. He was promoted to a supervisor position. In this role, he oversaw 40 employees who maintained a fleet of state vehicles. But things took a turn with this good job. Parts and tools began disappearing, so an internal investigation was launched. During this investigation, Stephen Catlin's criminal history was discovered. Evidently, whoever hired Catlin never did a background check. He was never charged for any of these thefts while employed with the state, but he was asked to resign. 
After losing that job, Catlin and his father-in-law opened their own business, an automobile repair shop in Fresno. As for his relationship with Glenna, his, his fifth wife, after five years of marriage, she was done. She told Catlin that she wanted a divorce. In February 1984, Glenna and her mother take a trip to Las Vegas to celebrate her 35th birthday. The two drive from Fresno to Las Vegas. The day after arriving, Glenna gets sick, deathly ill with flu-like symptoms. She's so sick, they leave Las Vegas to drive back home to Fresno. On the drive back, Glenna's condition worsened. So much so that when they first got to Fresno, they just drive straight to the hospital. When admitted, the doctors couldn't figure out what was causing Glenna's illness. The primary symptom was fluid on her lungs. Over a dozen physicians were brought in to try and diagnose her condition, but it really stumped them. The doctors in Fresno transferred Glenna to Stanford Medical Center by helicopter. That's how serious her condition was. Glenna Catlin died in Stanford, March 14, 1984, about six weeks after first getting sick in Las Vegas. Oh, I should mention, before Glenna died, while visiting her in the hospital, Stephen Catlin met a woman who he later married, making her his sixth wife. Catlin collected $57,000 in life insurance on Glenna. Remember Edie Ballou? She was Catlin's third wife. After the divorce, Edie remained on good friends with Martha Catlin, Stephen Catlin's mother. Through this relationship, Edie learned about each of Catlin's subsequent wife's deaths, and she became suspicious. She felt Stephen Catlin played a role in each of their deaths. Edie did a lot of poking around. She became a private detective of sorts. She talked to friends and relatives of Joyce's. Through her investigation, she discovered that Joyce had become fearful of Stephen Catlin. Edie learned that Joyce told friends that if she ended up dead, an autopsy should be performed. Edie took her suspicions to Kern County law enforcement, and they basically blew her off. They dismissed Edie as a scorned ex-wife trying to retaliate against an ex-husband who did her wrong. Shortly after Glenna's unexpected death, Joyce took her concerns to Fresno law enforcement. The Fresno Authorities were more receptive to Joyce's theory that Stephen Catlin was responsible for his wife's deaths. The Fresno coroner requested Joyce's tissue samples from Bakersfield and sent these slides along with Glenna's autopsy findings off to a medical examiner who could test for poisoning. In 1976, when, when the first wife died, these tests just weren't available to detect paraquat poisoning. But by 1984, the testing was more sophisticated and could determine if someone had died as a result of poisoning from Paraquat. While this investigation was going on before any of these test results could come back, Martha Catlin 
Stephen's elderly mother, collapsed. She took ill shortly after a visit from her loving son, Stephen Catlin. Martha Catlin died in Memorial Hospital in Bakersfield. Her cause of death was listed tentatively as a stroke. Even though Martha died in a hospital under a physician's care, an autopsy was performed. Toxicology tests were taken and tissue samples were collected. When these results came back, it was concluded that Martha Catlin died from paraquat poisoning. Around this same time, the medical examiners who were investigating both Joyce and Glenna's deaths got their lab results back. Both Joyce and Glenna died from paraquat poisoning. I know that's a lot to take in, so let me recap. From 1976 to 1984, Stephen Catlin's fourth wife, his father, his fifth wife, and his mother died. Three of those deaths were from paraquat poisoning. Now, his father had lung cancer, but he died from fluid on the lungs, like pneumonia. Since he did have lung cancer, his death wasn't entirely unexpected, and it probably wasn't investigated. But when you consider all of the other deaths associated with Stephen Catlin, it certainly makes you question his father's cause of death. Paraquat is a herbicide that is very effective at killing weeds and plants. It's also deadly to humans. It's odorless, colorless, tasteless, and it had no known antidote. Before the 1980s, Paraquat was available in retail stores. But once it was discovered how dangerous it was, the sale of Paraquat was limited to commercial sales. Through public service announcements and media alerts, there was a big push in the 1980s to get rid of this herbicide. Poison control agencies asked people to check their garages and sheds for this herbicide and to get rid of it. They didn't want the general public using this very deadly herbicide to kill weeds in their yards. Another problem, there were multiple brands of weed killer that used different names for the chemical that was essentially Paraquat. Now, back to Stephen Catlin. Remember that woman that Stephen Catlin met while visiting Glenna in the hospital? She became, you guessed it, wife number six after Glenna died in the hospital. Now, Knowing that three people associated with Stephen Catlin died from paraquat poisoning, a search warrant was executed. Investigators searched Stephen Catlin's home and workplace, his, his automobile repair shop. Found at his garage, his place of employment, was a bottle of paraquat. When this bottle was tested for fingerprints, Stephen Catlin's, and only Stephen Catlin's, were all over it. Fresno prosecutors were the first to try Catlin for Glenna's death. Because of the publicity surrounding this case, the trial was moved to Monterey County. A jury found Stephen Catlin guilty of killing Glenna for financial gain. The same jury sentenced Catlin to prison without the possibility of parole. During this trial, wife number six files for divorce. She's out of there. I guess she... I guess she followed the trial. 
Next up were the Kern County deaths, Joyce and his mother, Martha. To not prejudice the jury in these two cases, the Kern County prosecutors were barred from telling the jury that Stephen Catlin had already been convicted of similar murder in Fresno County. On June 1, 1990, a Kern County jury returned guilty verdicts for the murder of Joyce and Martha Catlin. The jury agreed with the prosecution's allegation of special circumstances, murder for financial gain, murder by poison, and multiple murders. The jury fixed Catlin's penalty at death. Stephen David Catlin is still alive and remains on death row. Since his conviction, Catlin has made multiple appeals. Each time, they have been denied. This story became a made-for-TV movie in the 1990s starring Harry Hamlin as Stephen Catlin. His title is Poison by Love, The Kern County Killing. I wanted to watch it before doing this episode, but I couldn't find it streaming anywhere online. Stephen Catlin is Bakersfield's only known serial killer. Like I said in the beginning, there's some speculation that there have been other serial killers associated with cases in Bakersfield. But so far, Stephen Catlin is the only one proven in a court of law. Resources used to research this case, the Bakersfield Californian, the Fresno Bee, caselaw.com, People vs. Kaplan. This is Robert Peterson. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Notorious Bakersfield Podcast. I'll be back next week, next Tuesday, with another Notorious Bakersfield story. Until then, stay safe, stay out of trouble. Don't become a future episode of the Notorious Bakersfield Podcast. Have a good week.